Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand, please, and affirm with a promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms. And we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Please be seated. The place of Holy Scripture that is familiar to all of us is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the speed of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We are continuing to surround, to surround this revelation that the Lord has written about 2,000 years ago through his apostle, Apostle Paul, and seal, unsealed it for us through Apostle Argadi, our pastor. This is a deep revelation and a richness of faith which the man of God shares with us. And we, as obedient children, continue to tend to the sheep of our Father. As we have already heard, the reason why David was able to overcome Goliath is that he tended the sheep of his father and the Lord had taught him and when the lion and the bear had come he wanted and wanted to take away one of the sheep of the father meaning those thoughts those revelations that God gives to the person who presents for us the fatherhood of God amid the children of God and the lion and the bear is the uncircumcised thought that arises from our carnal thinking. And it's written that he does not allow the lion and the bear to take away one of the thoughts or one of the sheep. And if that lion or that bear did begin to rise against him, he would say, I would take, it took him and over, 
came him and destroyed him. There was no chance for this lion or this bear. And we, in the same image, do the same. We stand watch. We are continuing to surround those words, those revelations, those thoughts. We are continuing to tend to the sheep of our Father, to the person of the man of God, on whom the Lord placed the spirit of the fatherhood and had taught him how to tend to the sheep and teaches us how to tend to the sheep of our Father. And sometimes I think, Lord, what is the significance of this person, David? It's written, I have found a man according to my own heart about him. If you remember, Samuel had come to anoint a king out of the house of Israel, Jesse. There were lots of sons there, and there were beautiful, handsome sons among them. The first comes out and he says, truly, look how, look who this person is. He's of a royal origin. The Lord says, no, I have not chosen him. And then they had waited for David, and David was anointed. And one of the main reasons why the Lord chose David, this person was according to the likeness of God, because he tended to the sheep of his father. And if some kind of uncircumcised thought, we are called to stand watch of that word, that teaching, which we accept through the good word, and we are called to keep it in the Eden of our heart. So that in another image, if you remember, Satan and the serpent do not come into the Garden of Eden. And Eve, she did not understand, or rather, she was a carnal person, Adam and Eve at that time knowing the commandments of the Lord. And sometimes someone says, I will try what will come of it. And from this came great trouble. And in the case of David, Satan could not seduce him. And as a result, Goliath was destroyed. He was cast down. With a, in a unique way. And of course, this person was clothed in, clothed in the reigning spirit of God. He was anointed. And the Lord gave him an eternal promise, a promise of eternity, that even if your sons sin and something does happen, I'm going to destroy, or rather I will punish, I will discipline, but to fully deprive of eternal mercy, this will not happen. I will grant you eternal mercy. And we, like King David, as we had heard, we, as we are called to, we are continuing to surround these revelations so that the fullness of God, which the Lord gives us, has given us, so that it can be found in our hearts, so that this word 
can inhabit our heart and dwell there. We protect it. And in this manner, the Lord calls us children according to His own heart. We become pleasing to God in such a way. We are continuing to pay attention to three verbs. This is to set aside, renew, and clothe. And as we have previously noted, in order to be clothed in the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth, we first need to set aside the former way of life of the old man, growing corrupt in his deceitful lusts. The old man is created in us before we were even born, because he was found in a seed. We come into this world and he was already created, already existed. In this inheritance we receive and upon our conception, behold, I was conceived in iniquity and in sin my mother gave birth to me, it is written in scripture. And in this seed is already death present, there is sin present, there is illness present, there is punishment from God present, there is the anger of God present, there is foolishness in this old man that is present. The old man is deprived of the fear of the Lord. This is a satanic program. This is the presence of the fallen cherubim. The fallen cherubim. But this program is already in us. And we sometimes, even to the end, ourselves cannot even understand why we behave in such a way, why we think in such a way. And trying to do something beneficial or good, we do... Uh, we, we commit a, a dead work. And only once we overcome our old man that we could renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit, or the wisdom of God in the face of the Holy Spirit. And through our already renewed thinking, meaning to renew our thinking, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the new man. We have already noted that the new man in whom we are called to be clothed, this is not the desire of God. To retract, we have already noted that the new man in whom we it is necessary for us to be clothed is our inner or innermost man born from the imperishable seed of the word of God. It was said in scripture, Cursed is anyone who does not fulfill all that is written about in the laws. And those people, those Israelites, they had had to stand watch. And it is written that if you have noticed sin, then you yourself must cast the stone. You yourself must be the witness and this person had to be stoned and, and people were stoned due to their sin therefore this was the ministry of condemnation the service of condemnation people were found under fear and it's not that they had loved God they feared to be to be killed and that's why they observed the words of the law this it is necessary, the teaching of Christ is necessary, but without this hope there is no salvation. We are called to be clothed. 
The new man is our innermost man, the new man born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God, which by nature is righteous, holy, imperishable, and immortal, because of which he temporarily, temporarily is found in the perishable body, he dwells in the fourth dimension of the invisible and visible realm, invisible, invisible and eternal realm. The new man appears when we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we proclaim and confess the faith of our heart when we hear in the word that Jesus, the man in the flesh, which, as we often hear, he hung on the cross, he was spit at, his body was likely blue and green, his face was so torn up that his it was written about him because it it was written about it because he hung on the cross. This was a great shame at, of that time. And to see in this person, they say, it is easy for a thief. The thief was a thief all of his life. He led that kind of way of life. He did what he wanted to do. He was so boisterous and loud. And all of a sudden, he says, have mercy upon me, Lord. And he had received the inheritance of paradise. And someone else who serves God all of his life, he has an appearance of godliness, yet denies it. He is found in hell for this kind of service. It seems as though, though this is unjust, but God's justice is seeing in a person who hung on the cross, who is torn up, who is in pain, who is found naked, has been spit on, ashamed, to see the Son of God and to believe in it. This is the great fate before God. For this, the great humility is necessary to have. And when we proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ, the man in the flesh who came from heaven, the second Adam, we believe with our heart that the Lord had sent him for our sins, and we proclaim the faith of our heart with our lips, and the Lord implements into our essence the program of the new man. The new man is born in us, and a program appears. A chance to save us then appears. We begin to collaborate with His Word and with Him. While this program is born and lives in our body, God has no opportunity, until this program is born in our body, God has no opportunity to collaborate with man. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God and this program of the new man is the living program that is given to us by God to collaborate with him our new man carries in himself the dimension of eternity and time and therefore does not depend on time and rules over time because he looks at the invisible lives according to the invisible and strives toward the invisible because of which he calls the inexistent in time inheritance of Christ as existent or rather, inside he knows. He knows that there is God and that the Word of God is true and that it's necessary to strive. A person begins to strive toward the invisible, to the inheritance that is eternal 
imperishable which the Lord places on our account and that is ready for us in heaven, which is going to be revealed in the end days. And we are waiting for and hoping, having this hope from God and faith in our heart that we are going to be, uh, that we are going to testify, be testifying of the great inheritance of the Lord, which we will see in our bodies. Isaiah 61, verses 10 and 11, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. A carnal person that does not understand that which is from the Spirit of God, he stumbles over this place of scripture. How does one at one time simultaneously be a bride and a groom? How do we have such a garment in this way? This kind of mix of garments. But we are spiritual people. We are people who have humbled our minds. And when we humble our mind, the Lord begins to collaborate with our heart. And with our heart, we begin to understand the truth of God. There is the love of Christ. It is higher than all understanding. And we know this love with the heart. And the words of the Lord we know with our heart. How do we do this? We accept this word of God, not understanding it. And we thank God for this word. And it is then found on the golden table of showbreads in our heart. And we wait for when it does become understandable to us. And we know this is the word of God. And when, when we hear it, we accept it. And in our heart, we say, Lord, I accept. I don't quite understand what this is about, but I accept it because I am born of you. And your person whom you have sent, he has spoken this word. This means that time will pass, perhaps a little time or perhaps a lot of time. And I will understand what this is referring to. And I will be able to enter into this inheritance and I will be able to, uh, to gain this. We have stopped to study the robe of righteousness or the price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness. We have already looked at six conditions and have stopped to study the seventh condition. So when God gives this robe of righteousness, He gives it in the format of a seed. We accept it. We fertilize this garment of righteousness or robe of righteousness, but to be clothed in it, for He has clothed me, then this is fruit. We are clothed into the fruit that we ourselves produce. But to offer this fruit, this is a laborious, difficult process before God, partaking in which we are called to use all of our energy. The seventh condition that we have stopped to talk about is the condition to fulfill the justice of God. So the robe of righteousness is the justice of God, to carry in ourselves the justice of God, so that this justice of God is the verity of God. And we have accepted it in our heart. We know it. It is found in our heart. But we are called to carry it out on the outside and to be clothed in these garments and this righteousness of God and this justice of God. And it is written, this honor to 
fulfill the written judgment or that which is written in scripture to to make known these judgments to all his saints not just to the pastor of the church to some kind of wise brother or spiritual sister this is the honor of all saints each of the saints is called to be clothed in the robe of righteousness that's why we are studying the conditions because we are called to fulfill our part and this is being clothed in redemption that is yielded by the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. Each detail of the annual observance of Pesach pointed to the legal right to exodus out of Egypt, and this symbolized our right to liberty from the vain life of our forefathers, and our entrance into the promised land which symbolized our final deliverance from slavery to sin and death in the body and in the future, final deliverance from the body that is perishable itself and the mortal soul. And thanks to our worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb, saints are going to be clothed in imperishability and immortality and will be raptured upon the morning star. So the great promises of God. Apostle Paul says that this is the cry of the heart. Woe to me who will deliver me from this body that is perishable. And so I with my flesh serve the law, he says. I serve the law of sin and with my mind I serve the law of God. And there is this war that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. But there will finally come final deliverance and the Lord through the observance of Pesach had given this revelation in which he said there will be deliverance, it will come. Saints are going to be clothed in imperishability, being found in these perishable bodies, so that which is perishable can be swallowed up by life, and we wait for this day. For the treasure of this feast to become reality in our life, Scripture imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions, which are written about in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. During our previous services, we have already looked at nine conditions, and have stopped to study the final and triumphant condition in which the redemption of God in man is called to triumph over sin and death. This is the need to partake of the Pesach lamb with haste. Exodus 12:11, And thus you shall eat it with the belt on your weight, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This is the Lord's Pesach. This is the great feast of the Lord. The element of haste upon partaking of Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in Scripture numerously as an unchanging law. It is this element that was used in the exodus out of Egypt, and it is this element that was lifted up into the rank of a special sign. The word haste, aside from its literal meaning in the dimension of time, to hasten, to hurry, to not be late, in Hebrew in the dimension of the Spirit, includes completely different meanings. Specifically, to hasten is to take the yoke upon ourselves, to carry our cross, to endure suffering, to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple, to be clothed in the armor of light, to renew our thinking, to ponder upon the law of the Almighty, to heed to the word of God with fear and trembling, and to stand watch of the Word of God so as not to distort it. This is 
the wide uh, specter of meanings of what haste means. There will be suffering, as we noted in this. When you remember to Ananiya, the prophet came and talked about Saul. There is a Saul who was found in Damascus, and he saw Brother Ananias, who came to him, who had laid his hand over him, and he had received sight. He was healed. He had lost his sight when the Lord appeared to him in a vision, and when Jesus came to him, and he says, Lord, I heard about him, that this person is, he has done a lot of evil. And he says, go, because he is my chosen vessel, do not fear. I will show him how much he must suffer for me. So there's a certain cup, there's a certain element of suffering present. And these sufferings uncover the glory that is called to be opened in our hearts and our bodies. And the Lord said, I will give you the power and you will endure this suffering. And having endured all, you will stand. But on the way, Satan will try to to take you away from this path. And the Lord, through his wisdom, as we had uh, written or heard, read, that the Lord uses the old man in our essence so that a holy person can learn to strive to heaven and to strive toward victory over sin, over death, over disobedience. And this tendency to live in sin and the tendency of a new program in us in order to overcome this program of death, it leads us out to the kingdom and stand us in such a way that we will, for all of eternity, go in this direction. And we will not fall, we will not stumble in this. Because the Lord used the fleshly man so that we can head in the correct direction, never turn back, and to never, in our thoughts, to try to exhibit some kind of disobedience before God. That's why the Lord uses this, and this is very important. We began to look at eight signs that define haste upon worthy partaking of the Pesach lamb. I will remind you of these signs. Five signs and we will turn and will continue to study the sixth sign. The first sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord with haste in Hebrew means to ponder over the contents of the Pesach feast, or rather over those truths which we have fertilized ourselves with through the seed of the word that we have heard. We dwell and we ponder. We wake up at night, we wake up in the morning, going to work, going to sleep, working our business, doing some kind of work throughout the day. There is a program that is always on and always thinking. There is this pondering upon the Word of God that is always happening. We are fertilizing ourselves when we hear this Word of God. And then we ponder and we again turn to this Word. We uh, we chew on it. Second sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to eat of or to hear the word of God in humility and contrition of the heart, knowing who is speaking, knowing where we are found, knowing the authority of God's word, how contrite 
how this Word of God is important in our life, how foolish it will be if we miss some kind of truth, and then we'll be found either unfaithful or incapable or infants or weak or unprepared. It is important to be clothed in the fullness of God. We have a tendency, according to the flesh, to take something that interests us. Truly, this is so. This is what I hear and other truths I might not hear. But everything is important. We must behave toward each word with trembling for this. It is necessary to have a humble and a contrite heart and to, with trembling, hear the word of God. We all might have our own opinion, and we can take this opinion and say, oh, I see it differently. I see this totally different. And in this way, we express our human pride, and we lose the opportunity to be clothed in this word, to be clothed in this wisdom of God. And so for this not to happen, when we come to hear the word of God, we need to have humility and to be in the contrition of heart. And again, haste. What haste? Uh, as Americans say, it's a must, meaning that without this, it is impossible. There is a statute of Passover that is violated. Everything begins to crumble. And we begin to walk around the mountain, as the Israelites had done at one point. They walked around, walked around, walked around, while their own opinion died in them. And when it all had died, then they were able to, 40 years later, to enter into the Promised Land. And if we look at the distance, for 10 days, for 20 days, this distance could be surrounded and turned to the promised land, but they weren't ready. When we hear the word of God and we say, I like this, I like this thought, the pastor said this quite well. But this other thing, I see this differently. This means that when we see something different, time, the process of time begins to turn on for us. A person will then work 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. All of this will then die in us. All of this Egypt, Egypt, the power of our soul. And then when we will understand what this is even referring to, that what place of God this is, what it means to be here, what the word of God means in the lips of the person sent by God on this holy place, then we will be able to have this humility, contrition, to come before the face of the Lord in the correct state of heart, prepared, and then we will be able to easily understand these riches of God and to inherit and to be clothed in this might of God. The third sign is to stand watch over that which we hear or that which we eat through hearing the word of God, meaning accepting it, we must protect it and must not allow, as we heard, we must not allow the lion and the bear to take away this sheep. We must always stand watch of this word. 
and I had heard this thought in our last previous services so brightly as never before. It's interesting as that we hear, we understand, but all of a sudden we begin to hear this all the more brighter. Why God had loved David? Where is the secret of this love found? Sometimes we can't understand why did God love Jacob? What was so special in Jacob? He was a rather tricky person, but look, a noble person would say, Mom, this is not good. Why do this? My brother, this is going to ruin our relationship. He's going to feel lied to all of life. Well, we can't do this. But he says, yes, this means that this is how I can we can steal this blessing. All right. What if the father, oh, our father curses us? Then she says, I'll take the curse upon me. And he says, okay. As you say, his blood is on us and on our children. Let's kill him. Close this question. And there are multitudes of difficulties after the decision that the Jews had made. But we are called to keep watch of the word. The fourth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to cherish the time that is allowed for the partaking of Pesach. We must understand that when God gives a person the opportunity to hear the word of God, these uh, a, a watch turns on, the clock ticks, and then when time ends, a person will lose the opportunity to try to bribe God, to try to say, I'm going to live for myself a little while longer. I'm going to live as I desire a little while longer. We ought to cherish time. And if a person does not cherish time, he violates the observance of Pesach. The fifth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to desire and to find satisfaction in partaking of the Pesach in the subject of the desire of hearing the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. There is a certain desire and joy present. As we have already mentioned, when we are good students, we learn, we fulfill our homework on time. Whenever we know it very well, fulfill it, we like this work or this homework, we like this homework, we like this job. But when we can't do something quite correctly, when we haven't learned a topic all the way, we then have a certain difficulty when taking a test. And then we stop loving our job. We stop loving our school. And we say, oh, something's not working out. In order to receive satisfaction from hearing the word of God, we must pay the price and time. If we don't pay the price and time, we lose this joy. And then the word of God says, we realize that something is not right. Our grades have gone down. We didn't complete a test. Not as a highly regarded student anymore. Now we're a C student and we no longer have this joy from learning. We need to pay the price in time. And the sixth sign of, of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste, and pastor gave eight total. Eight is the number of the covenant. Covenant, observance of Pesach is the covenant of God with man. 
and this is the covenant of the Lord. And the sixth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste in Hebrew means to fulfill our salvation in fear, trembling, and reverently. Fear and trembling is the requirement that is necessary for being clothed in the mantle of justice which we are studying in the robe of righteousness. And to fulfill the justice of God in haste, it is necessary to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 3 His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. This is written about Christ Jesus, and we are called to liken ourselves or to be likened to Christ in following after him, to be in the likeness of him, and to be like Christ, to be filled with the fear of the Lord, and to begin to judge, not by the sight of our eyes. As we hear sometimes when we are we have or sympathetic towards somebody, empathetic, he looks somehow like us, perhaps he has given a gift to us before, a compliment towards us. He was respectful towards us when we say two plus two. Instead of four, we add a plus sign in our, we add a plus sign. When somebody didn't agree to us, we say, what do you think about this person? We say four minus towards him out of five. This means that we might be familiar with the fear of the Lord, but we are not filled with the fear of the Lord. And let's remember that Scripture defines the fear of the Lord as the name of God. The name of the Lord is fear. The name is a virtue. It is that which God is comprised of. It defines His essence. His essence in which there is the treasure of our redemption. The fear of the Lord is the coming of God among His people, in which He stands up for His own. The fear of the Lord defines the name of God in which are hidden the treasures of our redemption and our protection. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that gives the opportunity to know the Holy God through the mind of Christ. The fear of the Lord is endowed with endowed with a transcendent purity that dwells forever and discovers itself in the true and just judgments. The fear of the Lord is the expression of the ways of the Lord that are a stronghold for the unblemished. The fear of the Lord is the source of the life of God that is called to depart a holy person from the snares of death the fear of the Lord is yielded in the treasure that is expressed in the stability of times. The fear of the Lord is the revelation of the Holy Spirit that is contained in the justice of God, in self-control, and in the future judgment. The fear of the Lord is the expression of the perfect love of God, agape, which casts out human fear. The fear of the Lord is the knowledge of God that comes from God, yielded by a cleansed conscience before God and people. And the fear of the Lord is being clothed, which destroys the strongholds of Satan in the minds of people, which is expressed in distorted truths and false doctrinal faith teachings. 
And this, again, is a very short list which Pastor had given us about what the fear of the Lord is, according to Scripture, how it is called, the purpose of the fear of the Lord, what it is for. The fear of the Lord is called to, upon affirmation of the judgments of God, to endow us with the ability to act carefully and cautiously. Act cautiously, it says in Scripture, knowing the fear of the Lord. And we need to use time correctly and use time wisely. Because these foolish versions, they have a lack of the fear of the Lord. They did not come in time. They did not gain oil in their vessels. Therefore, Scripture calls them virgins. They are pure but foolish. They are not filled with the fear of the Lord. We know that a person might be just pure before God, but if he is not filled with the fear of the Lord, he is a foolish person. The fear of the Lord, or being filled with the fear of the Lord, is called to protect us from the envy of the success of sinners. The fear of the Lord is called to test us with the law of Moses and make us capable of overcoming sin being filled with the fear of the lord is called to clothe us with the authority and the ability to be opened in our conscience before god and people being filled with the fear of the lord gives us the ability to lead wars against our enemy and to clothe them with a kind of fear that brings them to a panic and deprives them of power being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to create peace on the heights of God. Being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to teach us wisdom through the teaching about humility. Sometimes Satan comes upon people in the form of illness, in the form of weakness, in the form of some kind of test, and the Lord allows this test to come into the life of a holy person. And in this battle, a person battling with these plagues, sometimes he feels at the very bottom, at the very, very bottom in the shadow. But all of a sudden, this fear of the Lord begins to act in him. He understands that he needs the faith of the heart. He needs to begin to proclaim to proclaim the word of God. He begins to proclaim the word of God, and all of a sudden, there is victory. And you know, the Lord allows, the Lord allows and teaches us. And sometimes the enemy is afraid of us. Sometimes the Lord allows us moments of weakness, moments of illness. And Satan says, okay, he's grown weak. Then now I am going to uh, come a little closer to him. But then all of a sudden, Again, if we have the fear of the Lord, if a person is filled with the fear of the Lord, if he has studied this fear of the Lord and has understood the purpose of the fear of the Lord, all of a sudden he begins to proclaim the word of God and Satan in horror steps away from him and says, you know what, we have an experience. Don't come close to this person, even if he is ill, if he, even if he's grown weak, this person knows the fear of the Lord. And this happens through the proclamation of the faith of the heart. When we begin to proclaim 
the Lord's victory with our lips and to praise God for that victory that he has given us, being found in perhaps some kind of difficult circumstances. We have already turned to looking at the first two questions. This is the definition and purpose of the fear of the Lord. And now we will turn and remember the essence of the third question. What conditions are necessary to fulfill, to place ourselves dependent on the fear of the Lord, to receive the right to be filled with the fear of the Lord? And so, the first condition for the fulfillment of the fear of the Lord it might be a familiar fear of the Lord, understanding that this is a treasure, understanding that in the fear of the Lord there is a strong protection, knowing places of scripture, but if a person does not fulfill the conditions which the Lord places, the Lord will not allow him to be filled with the fear of the Lord because this is a treasure, these are riches, this is a precious aroma that costs greatly before God. And the Lord gives us this treasure by measure of our growth. And he says, can you carry this fear of the Lord? Can you contain it in your essence? Or are you going to mix this fear of the Lord with your own human thoughts, human thinking? Let's verify. Let's check. Are you able to fulfill these conditions? The first condition is comprised of tying ourselves to the root of Jesse. This is the father of David. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall go out, grow out of his roots. There is, a rod, uh, there is a rod and a branch, a stem and a roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ had said, I am the true I am the true, uh, uh, true vine, he says. When he, had, uh, when he had said, that branch this is written about, I am that branch, I am that vine. He shall be filled with the fear of the Lord and judged not by the sight of his eyes nor decided by the hearing of his ears. So to be filled with the fear of the Lord, it is necessary to be a stem of Jesse or to be a branch that grows out of his roots, roots to come from Abraham, to be on this branch, a part of this branch. Jesse is the son of Obed and we are going to look at this genealogy together, this heritage this heritage of David. He's the son of Obed, the grandson of Boaz and Ruth. He entered into the heritage of Christ and became the father of King David. The name Jesse means Yahweh is uh, Yahweh is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last. And in Hebrew, the name I am means being, having no beginning and no end of days, dwelling in the light, inaccessible light, ruling over the Genesis. Sometimes our children ask, where was I before I was born? What's interesting is that children understand that their beginning on is on earth when they were born. Where was I? I said, you were with the Lord. This is written about in scripture. You were from the Lord and the Lord allowed you to be born so that you can live on earth 
And then the Lord, again, He wants you to unearth while a, a, a child is four who say, you need to learn your math, you need to learn how to count your numbers before you go to school. And then when he is six, we say, you need to learn algebra and so forth. And then we say, you need to teach how to, we need to, you need to learn how to forgive, how to listen. And these are all lessons that we all ought to learn. But the Lord turns to Job and he says, where were you when I had created the earth, when I have founded the earth, formed the earth? You were there. And the number of your days is great. Meaning a man of God that is born of him understands that his life on earth did not just appear. He was there. He had chosen us in him, in Christ Jesus, before the creation of the world. We were already there with him. We will look at this heritage right now. And he is he who had no beginning of days or the end of days, containing himself, containing the mystery of inaccessible light. This is what this name means. Defining or being, creating our being, containing our being, and ruling over our being. The lack of organized partaking to growing ourselves from the stem of Jesse is a lack of every opportunity to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Therefore, this is a condition and this is a very important component. And sometimes the Lord allows us to, in some kind of testimony, an inner testimony, to understand that we were chosen long ago. When we hear this preached word of God, this water of life, this prayer of God, and prayer defines the uh, genesis of God, it was present before the creation of the world. And the relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, hearing these familiar waters, because He hovered over the waters, we understand that our birth is from there, from there, from long ago. Partaking to the root of Jesse is called to happen through Jesus Christ, which is the root and descendant of King David, son of Jesse, and this kind of partaking is a sovereign choice of every person who comes to God. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 29. Know that those who believe are the sons of Abraham, and Scripture knows that the Lord, he who believes, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. For all the sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, all of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs of eternal life. With regard to this, our pastor says, I will remind you that according to scripture, our partaking to the root of Jesse, which was the descendant of Abraham, it happened not according to the partaking to blood, but by making a covenant with God through circumcision of the foreskin of the flesh. So through Pesach celebration. And through Pesach celebration, a person, a non-Jew, was able to partake in this. He had to be circumcised. He had to be circumcised, and he was circumcised. He could partake in the observance of Pesach together with the Jew. In a new this was through circumcision, through making a covenant, through circumcision of the foreskin. In the New Testament, the circumcision of the foreskin and the flesh meant the circumcision or bridling of our lips. Sometimes we might not understand, as the messenger of God teaches us, but this is allowed up until a certain time. Yes, we perhaps have our own thoughts, our conscience perhaps is not yet cleansed of dead works and there are dead works present but there must be circumcision present we must never say well this is not how I see it we might say I thought I thought this differently but our lips must be bridled in this moment when we begin to demonstrate the unbridledness of our lips then this does not allow us to be partaking to the people of God and to partake of the Passover. There must be the brightening of lips through our immersion into the death of the Lord Jesus, which is presented in the doctrine of baptisms. So, our unbridledness, we are called to put to death, to clothe it into death, to say, okay, I am found in the church of God. All of my misunderstandings I remove and my understandings I remove, I put them to death, and I'm simply going to learn, to learn how to understand, to learn how to interpret, to learn how to understand this word of the Lord, how to understand this place of scripture. If no one instructs me, I won't be able to, and I begin to study from such a position. Psalms 34, 12 through 16, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Many days is eternal life. It's not just to live longer on earth. You know, there are those that love life. They want to live longer. There are others who are pessimistic towards life, and they say, you know, I'm ready to go even now, to go from death to life. This is not just many days. This is referring to eternal life, that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Speaking deceit, we say, when we say, I don't agree with this, I don't understand in this way, we don't understand how much deceit our tongue speaks because we ourselves remove ourselves from the order of God and the life of God. We place ourselves in such an awful position and we have no understanding of what we are doing. And this is the deceit of our words that is unbridled, that are unbridled. Depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. 
those who do evil is uh, they do this evil through the unbridledness of the lips Genesis 17 9-14 and God said to Abraham as for you you shall keep my covenant you and your descendants after you throughout your, their generations these are the children of the faith of Abraham this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you this you must do uh, meaning you this has to happen every male child among you shall be circumcised male uh, the male gender is the opportunity to proclaim to speak our lips our words must be contrite you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male child in your generations Apostle Paul says, In him we were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, who through baptism were immersed into, into death and having taken off the old man in this. The old man reveals himself in this when there is the unbridled lips of a person. And who was born in your house and he was bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. So a person with his proclamation will judge himself and will commit himself to the underworld. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Exodus chapter 12, verses 48-49. And one more place of scripture. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So, baptism is a covenant, a covenant for the for the bridling of the lips. A person is called to bridle his lips. Our lips are called to be bridled. How we ought to correctly speak. We must learn to speak the truth. How to speak it. From this, our eternal life depends and our position in eternal life because we are called to speak how to understand it and how to speak it. For by your words, you will be justified or by your words, you'll be condemned. That's why we have home groups, cell group services where we train, where we train to speak this truth of God. We are reminded of and speak this truth. We must speak the truth of God going to bed, getting up, to walking by the day, and, may, and it says, may this law, uh, the, this book of the law, this faith teaching never depart from your lips, because the book of the law is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. For it is on our, in our lips day and night. It must be spoken of. The teaching of Jesus Christ must be spoken. And when we begin to speak the the teaching, all of a sudden it turns out that sometimes between understanding and between speaking, we don't understand. There must be this tie, and then this there is perfection when we understand it and when we speak it. 
This is the condition that God gives us to be filled with the fear of the Lord. The next condition for being filled with the fear of the Lord is comprised of the, the price for running to God. So we are called to run to God, to depend on it, to place ourselves depend on it, to be dependent on the church, to be dependent on the order of God, to be dependent on the word of God, the Lord's instruction. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. May the Lord help us to run to him always. And while we have this man of God who represents for us the fatherhood of God, in our days, when we have this man present, we'll be able to be to be taught the fear of the Lord. And if we don't have this person who represents for us the Father of good, we won't be able to be taught the fear of the Lord. We will begin to lose the fear of the Lord. To run to is to care for, to ask, to search, to be found in God. You noticed saints, I think this is the prayer of every saint, we pray and we say, Lord, let our pastor be blessed, the man who represents for us the fatherhood of God, who are who is, are the lips of God, so that we may be comforted by the faith of the apostle, and not just comforted, but so that we can continue to be taught, to be filled with the fear of the Lord. May he be returned to us, that we can learn from him, continue to learn face to face, and this is very important, to care for. This is what our care lies in, to search, to ask for, and to be found in God. Practically, these results define the presence of the fear of the Lord that is gained through the price of discipleship. And so, out of these words, it follows that it is impossible to be filled with the fear of the Lord in which is contained the spirit of wisdom and the holiness of God if we are not taught what the fear of the Lord is, what role is given to the fear of the Lord in the fulfillment of our salvation, and according to what results should we test ourselves for our dependence on the fear of the Lord. And consequently, the price for the fulfillment of the fear of the Lord, which we are ought to pay as kings that carry the responsibility for our essence before God, this is the price of discipleship. We sometimes want to have a lot in life. If being a manager, to manage roughly 20 people or 100 people, sometimes managers desire more. To have money, to have more of it. I call a person, our brother from church, and I say, well, brother, I, um, happy birthday to you. You have a lot of money. Your wife is beautiful, healthy. I wish for you health. He says, well, don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Bless me with other things as well. And I value the humor, and I say to myself, well, they, they say, well, there's not enough money in the world. But in fact, if we have learned to govern over ourselves, if we understood the danger that lies in our body, 
And if we have placed this danger in a prison, then we are already rich people. Then we already dominate over ourselves, and those that dominate over themselves are better than those that overcome a city. To overcome a city, 2,000, 3,000 are needed. For if you are a soldier, a warrior, a general, or whoever, but if you don't govern over yourself, then you are a poor person. If the old man is not found in a prison, however much money, health, riches you have, you then are going to lose all of it, and that is very unfortunate. But we are called to rule over ourselves. The wisdom of God that is found in the fear of the Lord teaches us The price for being filled with the fear of the Lord, which we ought to pay as kings, carrying the carrying responsibility over essence before God, is the price of discipleship. And this price of discipleship is defined in these words, in the relationship of a renewed mind with our innermost man. And the presence of a renewed mind points to our dignity a royal dignity, and the dependence on our renewed mind on our innermost man points to the dignity of our priesthood, and this is a certain order that is present. Ezekiel 46, 2. The prince shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside, and stand by the gatepost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the gate, then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. A prince is a person who controls a horse or somebody with a renewed mind that controls his body, his emotions, his will through the renewed mind. A renewed mind is the thinking that is girded by the sash of truth and the subject of the mind of Christ that represents in our spirit the wisdom of the uh, wisdom of God. First Peter one thirteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The presence of the threshold of the house of God in the sanctuary of our spirit is the sign of knowing the perfect will of God. So there must be a threshold present. A threshold is a certain boundary. We are called to know. the sphere of our spirit and the sphere of our mind. How, what works? There is the Holy of Holies, there is a sanctuary, there is the inner court and outer court, and we must understand this. The presence of the threshold of the house of God in the sanctuary of our spirit is acknowledging the authority of our spirit over our renewed mind. Third, the presence of the threshold of the house of the Lord in the sanctuary of our spirit is the boundary that separates the function of our soul from the function of our spirit. And fourth, the presence of the threshold of the house of God in the sanctuary of our spirit is abolishing our own carnal desires. Now, if we don't have a threshold there, a person is not built up, building up ourselves in the house of God with our spirit, being found in the church of God, being a part of the church, we build ourselves into the dwelling of God. And there must be the presence of this threshold there. If we do not, ab- not abolish the authority of our old man in the subject of our uh, threshold, then upon worship to God, we will always place our desires in the subject of our threshold together with the threshold of God in the subject of his perfect will. And we will not even understand of this. 
and for God this will not be pleasing. He says, you bring to me an offering, but this is not pleasing to me. I turn my face away from you because you place your threshold before me. The lack of these four signs, or rather, if we go back, if we do not abolish the authority of our old in the subject of our threshold, and in worship to God, we will always place our desires in the subject of our threshold, together with the threshold of God in the subject of His perfect will. And of course, we will not be able to illuminate His perfect will. The lack of these four indicators that testify or verify the authenticity of one another is a lack of the fear of the Lord that defiles the holy name of God and is incriminated to a holy person to perdition. Ezekiel 43.8 When they set their threshold by my threshold and their doorpost by my doorpost, with a wall between them and me, they defiled my holy name by the abominations which they committed. Therefore, I have consumed them in my anger. We sometimes say, we understand the abominations that are written of being led or when there was Sodom and Gomorrah this is an abomination before the Lord when uh, men are enticed by men woman by woman but I have a desire this kind of desire and the Lord fulfills the desire of those who fear him we might not understand because the Lord fulfills the desires of those that fear him but when a person does fear God and he is filled with the fear of the Lord his desires are the desires of God they become the desires of God when we say oh well he fulfills our desires we will pray and the Lord will fulfill our desires and in this manner we place our threshold by the threshold of God and portray our desires as the desires of God and in this manner there is defilement and abomination before the Lord They are regular human desires, but God does call them an abomination before Him. God honors His desire in us, and the desire of those who honor Him, He he follows. And this fear of the Lord comes through discipleship, through being taught. The next condition for being filled with the fear of the Lord is comprised of correct relations with the kind of Father that is endowed with the powers, endowed with the powers to represent the fatherhood of God. Psalms 34, 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We ought to distinguish uh, the service of uh, ministers from the service of apostles who represent, represent the fatherhood of God. Apostles, apostles are pastors, whereas the others are helpers of pastor. Apostles, as pastors, have the authority by God to plant the seed of the word, whereas his helpers are endowed with the power to water this seed. And as soon as helpers, although due to their ignorance, they begin to contend to the role of the planter, then they stop fulfilling their role as a water, and second, they try to fulfill the role of pastor as uh, he who plants. Because of which, they are beyond the boundaries of their powers and they resist the order that is established by God. And then, instead of building up, they begin to destroy that which they previously built and they begin to gather anger for the anger of hire. Because 
without fulfilling our role and trying to fulfill the role of the fatherhood of God, their tie to the power of the delegated fatherhood of God is violated, and they stop gathering on their account the treasure that does not diminish, and they begin to uh, to scatter it. Matthew twelve thirty to thirty two. He was not with me as against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but that blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. And so, the command that is addressed to the children, come children, means to turn attention, children, to your obligations or to your role that is comprised of hearing the Father who speaks. To hear means to accept the planted word or to fertilize ourselves with the seed of the preached word. We are talking about the fear of the Lord and what it takes to be filled with the fear of the Lord. But as soon as children, instead of hearing, they try to be clothed in the powers of the planter and they begin to teach with their own name, then their tie to the delegated fatherhood of God is violated. To come means to follow one's obligations, to be taught, to understand the lesson, to discipline oneself, to study and examine ourselves, to imitate the Father in pursuing the goal, to pay attention to the behavior of the Father, to be faithful in fulfilling the teaching. Second Timothy verses 3, 8-14 Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Scripture doesn't talk about what happened to Janus and Jambres, but we see that everyone understood that these people had uh, resisted the prophet of God. We have carefully followed my doctrine, it further says, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord, out of all of them the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8-14 through 14. We must know who we are taught by. And one more place of scripture. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-7 through seven. To be disorderly is to not follow the order of God. So if there is the order of God, the Lord clothes every person with a certain authority. We are not called to stand on the landmark of our neighbor, to violate the landmark of our neighbor, to condense to a certain service which the Lord has given to the person, to each person, and we must be very careful in this. After it says, come, now it says, heed. Heed contains the same meanings as uh, to come, but in a more specific format. 
To listen means to heed, to hear, to listen, to look upon. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Our time, friends, has come to a conclusion. I will read one more place of scripture and then we will conclude. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1 7. Listening to the pastors placed by God gives us knowledge of the fear of the Lord and will clothe us into wisdom that is contained in the fear of the Lord. And we will be able to express this fear. It will be revealed in our life. And fear will bring us the stability of times in such a way that it will make the enemy fear us. The Lord will not find a need for vengeance against us for something and the enemy is going to be brought to fear because he'll have nothing to say because we are going to be clothed in the fear of the Lord and the treasure of the Lord therefore the wisdom of God expresses the fear of the Lord the wisdom of God must be taught we are continuing to learn to learn the words that were spoken by our pastor we feel joy and gladness and we will thank him for this mercy and to rejoice before God that he has led us and gave us this portion. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy for your seed for the seed of your word and if we were not being given a seed we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah and would prepare ourselves for the day of destruction of the Lord but you have given us a seed in the preached word of the person sent by you we thank you Lord that you have given this word and have placed it into the heart of your anointed one your messenger the person in whom we have found your representative and have accepted him as your lips We have humbled and brought our heart to contrition before that judgment, before those words of the lips that we have heard, and you have begun to lead us into your eternal inheritance. You have given us the mercy to hear 
to hear of the eternal mercies promised to David. You have given us the mercy to discover ourselves as your disciples. And we understand that it is better to humble with the meek rather than to share with the unwise. You gave us your portion to be at your feet, to heed your words with trembling, to wait for mercy from you, mercy in the word that we have heard and we have rejoiced. We have rejoiced with our hearts that you are our God and we are your servants. You are our Father and we are your children. You are our teacher and we are your students. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the name which you have written upon our foreheads and have placed your seal and have called us your disciples and have seen us as faithful and we're going to follow after you wherever you may go we thank you for the abundance of your word which you have given us but we pray Lord and ask that your mercy hasten so that our pastor could be restored from illness and could continue to proclaim your mercy and that word which you lay and place in his heart in order to bring us to your fullness and to be perfect and unblemished in your day that comes when you come to be glorified in your saints and we wait for this day and we languish in anticipation for the coming of your victory in our bodies over every weakness over every illness and most importantly over our old man when he is going to be cast into the underworld according to your promise we thank you and we declare this victory and we proclaim this day and we call the inexistent as existent and we consider ourselves dead to sin and we ignore our sinful essence and we continue to look into that righteousness that holy word that program that you have placed in us, the program of life and joy, the program of eternity. And we know that the number of our days is great. Because we have been born of you, born of your imperishable seed, we thank you for your mercy for your protection, for your guidance, and for your teaching. 
and we bow down to you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.